Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others in the way that Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listen in. So regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Praise God that we have plans to not have to do this anymore. Um, it's so wonderful to be able to worship with everybody today. Um, I hope y'all are doing okay. Uh, we have church cleaning later at 2.30 at church, so I hope to see as many faces as I can then. Uh, we are continuing to go through our sermon series through Daniel. So if y'all can open up your Bibles with me to Daniel. Daniel is before Hosea, after the book of Ezekiel, in the, in the prophets. My energy is a little bit low, so be so try to track with me today. But um, I'm sure it'll be fine. All right, Daniel chapter two. I'm actually just gonna read all forty some verses of Daniel chapter two straight through because it's a pretty um it's a pretty powerful narrative. So y'all can be tracking with me just. If it's hard for you to pay attention, look upon it as a story. We're reading God's holy and perfect word from our individual places. And even though we are not here to rise together, we will be soon. But as much as we are not doing that together right now, I pray that this would be the time where y'all really pay attention. If y'all are about to get food, stop. If y'all are in your beds, get up. This is the time to pay attention to God's holy and perfect word. This is the word of the Lord. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream. <coughs> And we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream. I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was very angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time 
that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. Amen. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O King, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the King and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw your king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partially of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Because, and the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom God, the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, in, to whose hand he is given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the bird of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of the Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, these iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed in with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. 
the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying together? Abba, what a word. Grant us wisdom. Grant us relationship with you. Grant us peace that surpasses all understanding. Grant us fear of the Lord and not of kingdoms. Help us to see what you are talking about. Just as you have made clear difficult mysteries that were not revealed to the knowledge of man. May you make yourself known in the hearts of your people, wherever they inhabit right now. Lord, I pray that that space would be appointed with the Spirit of God, that you would protect every mind against distraction in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would reveal to them more of yourself and that you would take us to the next level with you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. The title of today's sermon is called Dreams and Clarity. Dreams and Clarity. The main idea of this passage or of this sermon is that God is sovereign and relationship with God is the beginning of wisdom. I'm going to say that one more time. God is sovereign and relationship with God is the beginning of of wisdom. I'm going to say that one more time. God is sovereign and relationship with God is the beginning of wisdom. So last week we talked a little bit about Daniel 1. As you guys are writing down that main idea, just listen to the context. I'm just recapping what happened last week. Last week we talked about how we hold higher than God the things of this world. And yet Daniel does not compromise his faith with God and how God is greater than the greatest order of earth. And we talked a lot about this and what it means to be in right relationship with God and to stop prioritizing other things over God. Uh, Daniel refused to eat the food of the king. Uh, and so the king knew that, you know, or, or the, the, the chief of staff knew that it, what they were not responsible for the fact that Daniel was healthier and better nourished. Their robust appearance was something that only the Lord could have done, and he was appointed to the highest, and now he's in the king's court. So that's the situation of Daniel and his three friends. Here's the context. The king sees a dream. He gets disturbed by what he saw. I don't know if y'all have ever dreamed a bad dream before, but sometimes when you dream a dream that is bad enough, that is perplexing enough, you remember it. Some of us, we might not dream. If y'all don't dream, that's fine. But some of us, we do dream. And regardless of where we stand on this, sometimes if something happens that is shocking or perplexing, we remember it. And that's what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He sees a dream, he gets disturbed by what he saw. And the next thing that he does is just a natural thing to do as king, because he's not just Nebuchadnezzar, he is King Nebuchadnezzar king of the empire, so he consults his professionals. Now his professionals are not psychologists, they're not military strategists, they're enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. They are the political consultants, the trend spotters, and the religious gurus of his day. So he's not just approaching people from the stands of like, I need spiritual guidance and wisdom and understanding. He is genuinely asking for wisdom from the people that he would normally ask wisdom from. It's like Biden's cab cabinet. Right? He's asking for wisdom from political consultants, trend spotters, and religious gurus. Babylonian religion at the time encouraged looking for portents of the future and dreams 
and fantastic occurrences in everyday life. For example, a kid that was born deformed, a weird thing that happened to the sky, a dream. Weird, fantastical occurrences in everyday life were given way too much value and worth, and they encouraged looking for signs of the future in these things. And so he was consulting people that were the normal people to consult about this strange dream. But there's something interesting about this situation, and it's that Nebuchadnezzar, unlike any other king that has come before, normally, when you ask for advice, you say, hey, Amy, this is the situation that I'm in. I have this situation going on with this person. I have this kind of context with this future, and I don't know what's going on with my life, and I need your help. What do you see? Or what are you, what are you reading when you hear my situation, right? That's the way the normal people ask for advice. But Nebuchadnezzar just does something very interesting and different. He actually refuses to describe the contents of the dream to his interpreters. So he says, all right, y'all are supposed to have spiritual anointing. Y'all are supposed to have whatever it is that y'all are supposed to have. Y'all are supposed to be wise. Y'all rely on your God. So here's the catch. I need you to interpret the dream, but I need you to ask that your God for that dream and not for me. And if you can identify what my dream is and interpret it for me, then I will give you reward. You cannot do that. You are baloney. You will die. It's a pretty extreme thing. And this is the, this is the situation where I was like, hey, Nebuchadnezzar might be an Enneagram 6. Um, or like a strong, like... Sorry, I know some of y'all are not going to, some of y'all are shaking your head, some of y'all are like, what the hell is that? It's fine, it's fine, so I'm not going to go into the Enneagram. Look it up, I can't interrupt this sermon for it, but I was like, man, this guy does not trust people. He's saying, I don't trust you. I know that it's easy to make a bogus. This ain't some star sign. I'm not asking you to understand what I am as a Libra. Like, I am asking for you to tell me what this dream is, because if you're God and if your wisdom is real, then you would know. And so he literally says, tell me my dream and then interpret it. And he says, that is my check on you. Some commentators believe that Nebuchadnezzar might have forgotten the dream and he's asking for a, like a recollection of it. But that doesn't do justice to the anger of the king. I think the reaction, his thing is, is mainly that he understands that anybody can make up anything. He wants to know that you are the real deal. He's testing their integrity. It's easy to provide interpretation, but so they have to know the dream too. What does that tell you? That tells you that Nebuchadnezzar does not trust these people, and it tells you that Nebuchadnezzar is an anxious king. That whatever this dream is, has really set him off. He doesn't feel good about it at all. He really wants to know what's going on here, and he needs the right person next to him. And he's like, screw this. I'm not going to take in any bogus or baloney. I need the real deal. I'm going to check to see if you're real. I'm going to check to see as is I'm going to check to see if as an astrologer, an enchanter, a sorcerer, you are real. They say, King, what you talking about, bro? Ain't nobody ever asked anything of somebody like Ain't, ain't nobody ever asked something like this to anybody like us before. And then he asks it again, and he says, hey, King, like, no offense, but, like, what are you asking right now, right? Like, why are, why are you not telling us, just tell us the dreams that we can interpret? And he's like, I am firm on this. Mez is, this is a lot of, I, I don't know how to, this is a lot of, like, you know, colloquial language, but, so to speak, man's is tripping. You know what I mean? Like he's like literally bugging out, right? There's no, there's no way around it. He is freaking out. He's flipping out. He's like, y'all, if y'all can't tell me, I'm gonna rip your limbs off your body. Like he is tripping, like for real, for real, right? So this is like a situation where the king is popping off. He's not in his right mind, and then. The wise men say, literally, nobody can do this. And the king goes, then all y'all gonna die. And so all the wise men get put on the chopping block. It's literally, I really think, it's such a sixth move. Like, 
so like not trusting of people. It's like, ah, you were alive. Off with your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, aha, this is why I didn't trust y'all. This is some, this is some baloney. Y'all have been lying to me. Off with y'all heads. So, so, so anxious. So not okay, this guy. So not okay, right? So he literally goes, kill all the wise men of Babylon. Babylon, it ain't, it ain't even a country, it's an empire. He then says, kill all the wise men of Babylon. And that includes Daniel. And so Ariok, the commander of the king's guard, has no choice but to follow through to execute everybody. And his mission leads him to Daniel. And so this guy goes up to Daniel being like, hey, I have to kill you. Like, you don't even know why, but hey, bro. You are about to die today. And Daniel goes, well, why, why, why? Like, why are you trying to kill me? Like, I didn't do nothing. And he goes, now this, this is what the king says. And Daniel goes, why is the king's command so urgent? Why is everybody supposed to die off right now? And Ariok goes, oh, you didn't hear this. Well, actually, this is what happened. The king had a dream. Wise men said it was impossible to interpret the dream. And now the king wants everybody dead. And Daniel's, if y'all were Daniel, what would y'all be thinking? I was like, WTF. For real, though. Like, for real, for real, though. Like, imagine. It's like a weird situation where, like, you know that, like, really, really strict, unreasonable substitute teacher where there's this, like, one clown in the back that won't shut up and, like, he gets the whole classroom in trouble and literally you were just chilling doing your work that was assigned on the board, but this clown in the back literally gets every single person in the class in trouble and everybody gets the same punishment. And you're like, what the heck did I do? And the substitute is like, I don't care. That clown did this and now y'all are all in trouble and you ask the person, what the heck did I do? And it doesn't even matter because this person ain't even listening to reason because they're too old for that. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this really like interesting situation where every person and their moms are thrown under the bus and their grandchildren and that and like just everybody is thrown under the bus because of this one person who said I can't do it. And Daniel's literally like somebody didn't tell me. <laughs> Why is no one telling me? <laughs> Why y'all trying to kill me without even telling me, right? How are you going to speak for me right now? So Daniel uh, obviously, like, if I don't know, I don't know how y'all would have responded. If if that were me, I would have been, I would have been bugged out. I'd been like, this king is crazy, and I would have literally just bugged. I would have flipped out, right? Just trying to get to the king, being extra anxious because I am also a six. It would have been a nut. It would have been a nutcase situation, right? But Daniel is the picture of prudence here. He has wisdom unlike anybody else his age. He goes to the king, he says, give me time. Give me time and I'm gonna get this done. I don't know what this guy, you know you know when you call customer service and you call customer service, oh my God, if there's a customer service that nobody should ever call, I feel like nobody should ever call the bank. Let me tell you, all right? There was a situation like a couple years ago where there are Chase banks everywhere now. I'm so angry about that. But two years ago, I promise you there was not a single Chase bank in the state of Massachusetts, right? And all I had was Chase. And it was my second year of seminary. I'm like this like, you know, girl. And then there's all of a sudden, there's like, I don't even know how much money that's taken out of my account. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? I'm like, can somebody check this for me? And I call customer service. Chase Bank says it's identity theft. I'm like, okay. He said, call me back. I call again. Somebody says, I don't think it's identity theft. And then they send me to another bureau. I had to put in another claim for something. I'm like, all right. They say, okay, call us back. I hang up. I call again. They said, you actually have to visit a bank. And I'm like, I called three times. Y'all tell me three different, three different, completely different things. Everybody be tripping right now. Don't tell me I have to go to Chase. They're like, no, you have to go to a Chase Bank. The nearest Chase Bank is where? New Haven, Connecticut. So I have to drive two hours. I legitimately pick a date. I drive two hours 
to New Haven, Connecticut, I visit the teller, and I visit a banker. The banker's like, yo, what are you doing here? I'm like, hey, I came from Hamilton, Massachusetts. Because I called Chase Bank three times. They did not get this right for me. And I'm from New York. And in New York, there, there's a Chase Bank on every block. My grandma has a Chase Bank. Her grandma has a Chase Bank. Like, I'm not used to this, but I drove all the way here. Like, what are y'all going to do for me? He goes, hey, okay, give me a second, all right? Give me a hold up, hold up, all right, back up, give me a second. Comes back after five minutes, he says, hey, Chase Bank messed up a check and a number, and it was taken out of your account by accident. They could have solved this for you on the phone. They could have looked this up. I'm sorry you had to drive two hours here, but here you go. It was, it was just a mistake. I fixed it for you. It's going to reflect in your account. Have a nice day. I was so mad. I drove straight back up to Massachusetts and I went straight to Bank of America and opened up my check checking account. I was like, you know, screw this. I'm not going to deal with this no more. Right? It's like one of those situations where one person says one thing and another person says one thing. It's like, hey, I don't know who spoke for me then. I don't know who spoke for me then. I don't know who gave you the wrong wisdom. I think they was tripping. I think that person was dumb. I don't know what's in their head. I don't know what's in their head. But this is what's going on here. Let me tell you. And I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar was probably like, yo, play with me one more time. You know what I mean? Like if you're the king and you're bugging out because there's this dream, it could potentially be the downfall of your empire. Everybody be tripping. Everybody be like, oh no, we can't figure this out all of a sudden. Like even though it was in the job description and you're like, okay, screw all of y'all. And then this guy comes up to you and says, I don't know why this guy said it was impossible. I can do it. That's fake news, right? And Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sure he was like, Yo, if you don't get this right, it's over. It's over, over. It's over for all of y'all, right? It's a high tension, high risk situation, right? Where, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is tripping, and Daniel is in this situation where low key, high key, like the lives of everybody are on his shoulders. What does he do? Number one, unlike me, he stays calm, okay? He's very chill. Like, if I ever met Daniel in heaven, I would want to talk to him. Because this man has the name, God is my judge. And he calm. Like, he a calm man. If my name was God is my judge, I would not be calm. I would not be calm. I would give a white light to my parents, and I would they would be like, Daniel? And I'd be like, God is my judge. Oh, my God. Right? But this man is a calm man. He goes back to his friend, and he goes, what does he say? He doesn't go, all right, we got to think of a game plan. You know, he's not like coaching them. Okay, you find, you look at Isaiah here. You look at scripture there. You look at Leviticus. I'm going to be over there. He doesn't do any of that. He goes, okay, y'all. If it doesn't work out, we're going to die anyway. Everybody pray. Think about how frustrating that is to a situation like that. High risk, high stakes, right? High tension, and there's a time limit. You know when you're going through something really difficult, like you have to decide, I'm in a lot of precarious situations right now. I don't know if y'all are in a season where y'all need wisdom and clarity on every aspect of your life. I am in a season where I need wisdom and clarity on every aspect of my life, right? And if you have ever been a congregation member, you're, you need wisdom, you need clarity, you're like, I have a misunderstanding here, I don't know what my future is going to be, I don't know who the person is that I have to marry, Like, I don't know what's going on with my life, I need to figure this out, and you go to your pastor, and your pastor says, hey, I think you should pray. If that was me, I apologize. I know, it is stressful. You're like, hey, you were vomit to your pastor, you're like, blah, 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 blah. you know, like, you're like holding it in, you're a pressure cooker, you're a pop tone, right? And then when the pop tone goes, you know what I'm saying? You're like, you're like, I can't do this no more. What do I do? And the pastor goes, hey, Hebrew says faith <laughs> is the assurance of things hoped for, the confidence in things unseen. You gotta acknowledge God and who he is before the breakthrough. And you got to pray with confidence that he is going to show you. And you're like, okay, okay. And he's like, all right, let's pray. And he prays for the situation, or she prays for the situation. And she goes, 
Have a great rest of your day. I'll be praying for you. And you come out of that like, man, yo, I feel like I was juke. Like, I feel like I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you come out of that, you're like, somebody ripped me off. Ain't nobody know. Ain't nobody know. I was told I was going to get this. And homie told me to pray. Um, <laughs> ain't nobody giving me any prayer. I just, I just want one thing to practically do other than pray. Like, like pastor, I get you. I don't got to come to you to know that I need to pray. Okay? <laughs> I don't got to come to you to know that I need to read the Bible. I need, like, step one, step two, step three. I'm a practical person. The pastor goes, I'm not God. You got to pray. And you're like, this homie, you know, he really be doing something right now. Man, you come out of it like totally dissatisfied. I'm sure the friends were like, we gonna die, we gonna die, we gonna die. Daniel comes back, he goes, y'all, we gonna pray. We gonna pray until the rain comes, you know? And he's like, we got till tomorrow to know the king's dream. Everybody get down on your hands and knees. We gon' they're like, yeah, Daniel, what are we gonna do? Come on, Daniel, you're the man of wisdom. What are we gonna do? Pray. You know? And so everybody drops to the ground. That's all they be doing. They just pray. Pray for a revelation of mystery from the God of heaven. And then what happens? The, the, the nature of mystery is that it's something beyond human comprehension, right? But what happens? God does speak to him. God speaks to him in a vision of the night that's to be distinguished from a dream. So Daniel prays until the evening. He prays and he prays. I don't know what that prayer looks like. We don't know what that prayer looks like. I believe that's intentional. Daniel just gets down on his knees. Prays until God gives him a vision in the night. Oh man, I feel so convicted. I don't even know why. Holy Spirit, I feel so convicted right now. Man, I think it maybe maybe it's because of the analogy. Y'all, we all want a quick fix. When we are confused, when we feel like our life is on the line, when we want to know God, but we ain't living in step with God, when our spiritual health is on the line. When we have a future that we're trying to figure out, when we're trying to get out of some pain, maybe some debt, maybe a relationship, oh man, Holy Spirit, I really feel, maybe like we're trying to ask for wisdom, financial wisdom, wisdom of the future. Is this woman or is this man the person I'm supposed to marry? Is this calling the calling that's on my life? God, are you really who you say you are? And you just want answers from the Lord. But you would rather have a quick fix through advice from your community rather than doing the work of getting down on your hands and knees and worshiping God and praying and acknowledging who he is and talking to the source. You would rather have raisins than go to the vineyard. You would rather eat processed grapes than actually plant them yourself that have that yourself and go to the origin point. You would rather go and get the stuff that has been diluted through people than ra rather than actually acknowledging God for who he is. Man, oh man, have we done this time and time again. Now I'm not saying that your pastor, that your community can't give you wisdom. I believe that God speaks through people and not just through miracles. But a lot of the time we are a generation an iPad generation, a 5G LTE generation, a fast food generation that would not be willing to do the work of doing that prayer. And God does not tell you how to pray because prayer is about relationship. It is not a formula. It is not an equation. It is not math. It is literally a relationship. And relationships are unique. My relationship with Rachel is not Tony's relationship with Rachel. My relationship with my mama is not Tony's relationship with my mama. Everybody's relationship with their Abba is on their own. And to a certain extent, you cannot take the easy way out. But we want the easy way out. And so we live with a brain fog over our spirit. And we see the origin point of Daniel's wisdom here. Because Daniel's wisdom was not in the right thing to do in that right social situation. 
Daniel's wisdom came from asking the Lord. Come on, somebody. We live in a generation of foolishness. We live in a generation of consumerism. We live in a generation where all that glitters is gold. And we would rather we would rather rely on what we see than rely on the relationship that we have with the Lord. We would rather look to our pastor to give us the revelation because we know our pastor prays, but we truly, we some part of us doesn't believe that we can have a relationship with God like Pastor Jane has a relationship with God or Pastor John has a relationship with God. And we would rather look through other people or faithful people and get their wisdom and seek their insight rather than believe that we are a child of the Most High and that God can communicate to us. But in order to do that, we got to trust that God would give answers. In order to do that, you have got to trust that there is more to your relationship than just what you see. And you got to trust not in what God can give you, but in the person of God. See, a lot of people, I am a woman that gets very easily misunderstood. You know why, y'all? Because sometimes... Sometimes I get put in situations where, you know, like, I'm a strong woman and so my words can get mis misconstrued. But often, I'm mis what I have learned as a 26-year-old now, well, I'm nearly 26, right? As a girl that is now in her late, her late half of her 20s, y'all just saw their register. Okay, we're gonna go think about that right now, put that on the shelf, right? I have come to understand that when people have misunderstandings about me, that's because they have a programmed reaction that I, they think I should have. And so sometimes, even if I say and I communicate from my person, if you already have an idea of me or what I will say or who I am before I even open my mouth, then you will not actually be able to take in who I really am. And we do that with God in our relationship with God. We have given God a set of characteristics that we have assumed or been taught that he is, and we have put him in a box. And so we're like, why do we pray if I know what God's going to say? That is bogus. Absolute bogus. If you think you know God like that, like I said, you're worshiping an idol. You gotta, That's dangerous theology right there. There is no way. You can predict what God will say, ever. Don't be prideful like that. Get off your high horse. God is his own person. Let him speak for himself. Just as much as we let y'all speak for yourselves, let God speak for himself. Wisdom is the person of God. Wisdom is not smart. There's a difference between being wise and being smart. You can be smart about things. Stay out of trouble. Don't do drugs, stay in school. You can be smart about things. You plan your life in the right way. You do X, Y, and Z. And by the time you're 27, you've got your life cut out for you, a house on the way, and a baby mama. Because you were smart about your life. That's not wisdom. Let it be known. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't, don't be tripping. If you feel like you have worldly wisdom, or if you feel like you have practical wisdom to live y'all's life, that's called being smart. That's not called being wise. Wisdom comes from the Lord. And we often, maybe because we are unconfident in how much God loves us, maybe because we are unconfident in our relationship with God, we choose to rely on books on Tim Keller and John Piper, I was just talking to somebody. I was visiting. I I visited St. John's last night um, to be with John and his congregation. It was so great. I loved being there. Love, love being there. John is like one of the most important people in my life, and so I was. I love being there. But at the end, there was this guy, and we got in a nice, like, deep conversation about theology, and we were talking about like, you know, substitutionary atonement and what it means that 
you know, did God have, did Jesus have to die? Like, what it means? Like, the moment, I don't want to get into it. But it was just like petty, you know, deep theology. And what I was appreciating about this conversation, as much as it was difficult, and John was like, I ain't getting involved in this. You can have that conversation. John, John doesn't like to talk about that kind of, like, he's a very, like, relational guy. And I'm a very, like, thought-based person. So he'll, like, he'll be like, ah, this is all, like, fair. Like, you can take that. I'm like, I got you. So I took it, and we were just in this, like, 40-minute conversation. And while it was difficult to be in, I really appreciated this guy's heart. And I really appreciated the fact that he was not just taking in Tim Keller's theology, John Piper's theology, just for himself. Like, he was doing the work. He was, like, doing the work and doing the thought experiments and doing that theology and asking for clarity, asking for, you know, exegesis and seeking not just, like, one school of thought, but, like, all the schools. So it was, like, really, really, like, he was doing good work. And I, I encouraged him about that. I was, like, you know, you're doing, a, you're doing a great job thinking through what you believe in. Um, and sometimes we rely on people. Maybe even sometimes we rely on me. But what I have found about the Korean church, I will say, more than relying on, because Korean churches, we don't, they don't trust their pastors anyway. Um, so, like, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say any of y'all, like, take me seriously to that point. So if y'all think, like some people do, y'all are tripping. Don't get it twisted. The Korean church, that's not the trend. Uh, we work hard to be trusted. Um, I would say, like, a lot of people believe in celebrity pastors, dogmatic theology, like the words of what, the words of men who have interpreted scripture or certain interpretations of scripture and we hold that really highly. And we just kind of swallow that and we're like, oh yeah, that's what I believe in. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Instead of really investing in that relationship with God. It took me four years to get to the point where I was able to believe for myself that I could be a woman in ministry. Now I had to do that work. I went to those passages. I did that exegesis. I, I, I really like cons- reconsidered everything that I was taught in church. Right? It was hard, but it was worth it because you know why? God is bigger than my hardest questions. God can handle your toughest questions. Okay? God is good and He's powerful. If that's truly the God that you believe in. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your fears, and He can handle your greatest questions. Okay? Your pastors might not be able to handle them, but your pastors are not God. What is wisdom? Wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And so this man gets down on his knees. And he prays. And he prays and he prays. And we don't know what he prayed, but we know that Daniel was earnest. We know that Daniel had confidence because Daniel vouched for God and then went to God. Daniel said, God's going to do it. Okay, King? Calm down. All right, I got it. And then he goes to God and he says, God, show me because I know you can. And I know you will. And my Abba, do I believe that you got it? Show me. And God does. God does. Praise our God does do that. He reveals to us mysteries beyond human understanding. Praise Jesus. That he reveals to us things past our understanding. But God shows Daniel not just the dream, but he helps to interpret it. There's another clear thing to be said about this. God is a God of clarity. God is not a God that makes you run in circles. So if all you hear is, um, right? Or if all you hear is, my child, I love you. God is a God of clarity. While I truly believe that that is something that God is saying to you, God is a God of clarity. You can seek out the wisdom of your community as long as your highest point is the wisdom of the Lord. And sometimes God might not give answers in the way that you expect him to. A lot of the times I will say, when we, when we get frustrated that God doesn't talk to us, it's often because we don't like the answer that God has given us. 
Another situation in my personal experience where God has not answered me for a long time is when I was manipulating God. What I mean by that is I was using God for what he can do for me rather than actually exploring the person of God and being in relationship. Rather than actually just spending time with God for God, the only time I would spend time with God is like, God, I need answers for this. I need clarity about this. I don't know where to go about that. And God is, you know, he gets fed up too. God is a being. He's a person. I mean, he's infinitely patient. But that hurts him. Okay? Don't just seek God out for what he can do for you and then get disappointed with God when he doesn't meet your expectations. God is a person. Wisdom is relationship with God. Not God's answers when you ask him questions when that, those are the only time you pray. Wisdom comes in an existing relationship with There's a difference, right? For example, I might go to, Jane Kim's in front of me, I might go to Jane Kim for wisdom, right? And I'll be like, Jane Kim, like, what should I, Jane, what should I do here? What should I do there? And I'll be like, oh, and, and Jane will tell me, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And then I'll have an ex expectation of Jane in my head. And I'll be like, Jane, what should I do about this? And Jane is going through her own situation with me, where she's stuck about her relationship so she doesn't give the answer that I want to hear. And maybe she can't make time for me because, of, because she has her shifts. And then I get upset because I had this expectation that Jane was wise, that she always had time, that she loved me, and just didn't feel like she did that anymore. Versus, you know, and then two, and then some maybe some, one person asked both me and Aaron, what do you think Jane would say about this? And I'll say, oh, I think Jane will say ABC. And Aaron will say, oh, I think Jane will say X, Y, Z. And we'll say two different things. I'll look at Aaron and I'll be like, hey, Aaron, how come you didn't think that Jane would say ABC? It's because Aaron has an existing relationship with Jane, apart from her answers. Now, I don't know if he has an existing relationship with Jane, apart from what she can do for him. That's, that is between them, but I trust, right, that they know each other well enough to know. They have that relationship. It's that intimacy that was spent in the day-to-day -day that helps us to understand the other person in the moments where we need clarity, right? Daniel had many moments of intimacy with God leading up to this point. This is not the only time that Daniel prays. So Daniel is acquainted with the person of Christ. If y'all are praying, and the only time y'all are praying is asking God for wisdom, of course y'all aren't going to know his answers. You don't even know him. How the heck are you going to be able to recognize his voice, let alone know what he's saying? You know? Stop just asking God things for what he can do for you. This applies even in romantic relationships. A lot of the times people will say, I love you, but what they'll really love is what you do for them. A clear indicator of that is when they don't see you. I don't know who needed to hear that. I think I needed to hear that today. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who needed to hear that this morning, but that, that wisdom is for y'all. That is the relational insight that is necessary to understand why Daniel has wisdom. Because it doesn't matter how Daniel prayed. What matters is the relationship that Daniel had with God leading up to the point where Daniel prayed. He was already in relationship with God. He was already talking to God, okay? And he went to God. The rest is history. Daniel tells King the interpretation. The king gets right to the point, can you tell me what I saw and interpret it? Daniel points to God. He bears witness to the God who speaks the light of he makes it clear that the vision concerns the future. The head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, the arms and chest of silver. Um, a lot of theologians have different things to say, like maybe the silver is the metal Persian Empire, and the uh, the iron is the Greek Empire, the iron and clay is the Roman Empire, or maybe like the iron and clay is the Greek Empire. Like There are different things that theologians think are the different parts of the body, but we know that there are different empires over a series of time. And then there's a rock that comes in. It's not made from human hands, and it breaks everything else. Daniel seems to believe that that is God's kingdom. Breaks apart all the kings of the, of the world and becomes a big mountain. 
the vision communicates something more general and grand, that God is sovereign, that he's in control. Daniel is communicating that the evil that God's oppressed people are experiencing is not the end of the story. And the king falls prostrate before Daniel offers gifts. The most powerful pagan in the world lies prostrate before an exiled Jew. Daniel uses this to get his friends to a high estate, and he gets jealousy from the native wise men. There are a couple questions that arise from this. Number one, why does Daniel take Nebuchadnezzar bowing to him? There are three options. Maybe Daniel was prideful. Maybe he had no choice. Or maybe he recognized that Nebuchadnezzar was not bowing to him, but the power behind him. Option three is the most likely thing that Daniel took that as Nebuchadnezzar bowed to his God rather than to him. And does this make Nebuchadnezzar a believer? No, he's polytheistic. It's not inconsistent within who he is to give glory to God while not believing in God because he's polytheistic. And so that, the rest is history. God follows through, Daniel tells the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar falls prostrate before the Lord. But what we have to take away from this passage is Daniel. Our contemporary generation lacks wisdom. Wisdom is a relationship that produces a mindset, a way of looking at the world. It does not stop with memorization of biblical verses. It does not begin and end with reading the prodigal God and reading J.I. Packer. It does not begin and end with Bible studies. Yes, all of these things can help as long as you are seeing that wisdom is not just being smart about something. Wisdom is a relationship that produces a worldview a mindset of, and a way of looking at the world. For example, we have grown up with tiger moms and tiger dads. If y'all have not grown up with a tiger mom and tiger dad, good for y'all. Most of us have grown up with rules and curfews and this and that, and constantly being bashed on by our parents saying that we're not good enough. If we get a B, it's like, why didn't y'all get an A? You get an A minus, why didn't you get an A plus? You got an A plus plus, why don't you have a 5.0, right? You know, most of us, we grow up with like, expectations, right? And then we're like, no, we're never going to be like our parents when we grow up. And then we grow up. And we're in grad school for ourselves, or we're in our career path, and we do one thing wrong. And we're like, what is wrong with me? How dare I? Mess that one thing up. Oh my God, I got a 92 on my certification exam. How dare I miss eight points? Oh my God, my kid went out an hour later with his friends. How dare he not listen to me? You know, we, we, through our relationship with our parents, and then we go right back to our parents like, I understand you. And they're like, I'm telling you, right? And that's what adulthood looks like, right? It's our relationship with our parents, the way we were raised, that ends up producing a mindset within us, a worldview. Wisdom is the particular mindset that we get from a relationship with God. Some of us, when we grow up in a more conservative church, we get conservative theology. Some of us, when we grow up in a conservative family, we get conservative values. Some of us, like, for example, y'all have grown up in New England. I've grown up in New York City. I am much more, like, not, I would just say I'm probably much more open to, like, differing opinions and things than y'all might be just because I didn't grow up in a homogenous context at all, right? Um, and that's just a mindset that comes from my experiences. Wisdom is the particular mindset that comes from a relationship with God. So when you say, I'm going to Pastor Jane to seek wisdom, that's like saying, I'm going to an apple orchard because I want some wine. And then you go there and all you get is apple cider, and you're like, where am I? It's like, it's a dream. Sorry that it wasn't what you was looking for. 
Of course, it ain't going to be what you're looking for. At the end of the day, it is good to be surrounded by your community. It is good to have people who have wisdom pray over you. It's good to consult people with wisdom. I'm not saying don't go to nobody. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you want to be wise, like you can go, it's like, it's like you can go to the market and buy fish. But when that fish is done, you're going to have to go to that market again. Right? And buy more fish from the market. Because it's not you that has the fish. It's the market that has the fish. But if you want to have an endless supply of fish, you got to learn how to fish. Right? You can seek out wisdom from this particular situation. Get a band-aid for a quick fix for your particular problem from somebody who has wisdom. Sure, it's plausible and it's practical. But if you want to be wiser, you got to have that relationship with the Lord. If you want clarity in your life, you're like, God, why aren't you giving me answers yourself? Let me tell you that cliche answer that you never want to hear from a pastor. Let's start praying. You got to start praying. You got to stop prioritizing your job, your relationships, your work over God. Like I said, it's foolishness. We talked about this last week. To prioritize the things in front of you over God is absolute foolishness. It is foolishness. If there is, if you are a scheduler, the first thing that should be in your schedule is when you're going to talk to God. If the first thing that's in your schedule are your shifts and your tests and your appointments, bro, that's very telling of what you are investing in. It might be smart. But it ain't wise. It's gonna bite you in your butt. I guarantee it. How do we apply? Well, all of this is applicable, right? Wisdom is with the Lord. We were talking about how wisdom is a relationship with that leads to a mindset. We were talking about how our generation is a generation that is foolish, although we are smarter. It's so interesting. Because the older generation is wiser, even though they know less, they've had less schooling. But our generation, for all that we are smart, for all that we are complex, with all this technology, all this advancement, we are foolish. We are consumeristic, we are materialistic, we are fast food, we are quick fix. It's foolishness. We have built up idols of steel, stainless steel, and diamonds. But there is a rock. It says in Luke, the one direct reference to Daniel 2, the stone that the builders rejected. Y'all didn't know that, did you? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's a reference to this dream, y'all. The stone that the builders rejected have become the cornerstone. Jesus don't, Jesus don't shine. He ain't going to give you pleasure. And you're not going to have an urge to be with him all the time. But the stone that the builders rejected has already and will also be, already but not yet, has already and also will be the cornerstone. Will you hold on to your health and wealth understanding of life? Will you seek quick fixes? Or will you go to the provider? The fear of the Lord you know what fear of the Lord is? It's not to be trembling, afraid about God. It's to know who God is. You know why? Because if you know how powerful God is, you naturally get a little fearful. Okay? You're a It's like LeBron James, you know? Like, 
When LeBron James is on the other team, you're like, holy moly, you're screwed. When LeBron James is on your team, you're like, yeah, I'm going to win this, right? Actually, let me not offend people by taking that back because LeBron James said and that. That means not I'm not saying LeBron James is the number one person to carry a team. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, like, when you know how powerful somebody is, and that person is on your team, you're like, yeah, but you also don't want to mess with that person. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. In order to have that relationship with God, like we just talked about how wisdom is a relationship that produces a mindset. So if we replace that word with that, definition. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of a relationship with God that leads to a mindset of life and understanding. So you got to know God for who he is, not for what he can do for you, not for what he offers you, not for how he makes you feel, but for who he is. Like if you were a boyfriend or a girlfriend in a relationship with somebody for what they could do for you, my advice to the other person will be, yo, get out. Because that is not that is not a that is not a good relationship dynamic, right? You gotta if you gotta love somebody, you gotta love somebody for who they are. You gotta be willing to accept that person for who they are. You gotta stop programming them and putting words in their mouth, and you gotta listen to them and hear them out. Right? The fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, is the beginning of this relationship that produces a mindset of wisdom and understanding. But Jane, though, I don't hear answers. Do you pray? I'm sorry that there is no easy way out. There honestly is never an easy way out when it comes to relationships. As much as I am close to... Christian, if you don't get close to Christian on your own, like just because you, like let's say you are close to me and I'm close to Christian, just because you are close to me doesn't make you by transitive property close to Christian. You got to get close to Christian on your own. That's the nature of relationships. We're so willing to do that with each other. And yet it is such a hard concept to understand. Are you in a situation where you need the wisdom of God? Are you in a situation where you have been asking God for answers? Are you in a situation where you are running away from you what you think God is going to say? Are you in a situation where you don't want to listen to God? Are you in a situation where you want to get to know God but you don't know how? Let me tell you, Jesus loves you and he died for you. He died for you to have that relationship with He died for you so that the only thing that will stop you between the only thing that will stand in the way between you and a relationship with God is your own insecurity and your own misunderstandings about who he is. That's what Jesus did. So let the love of God be your strength. Let the hope of God be your anchor. Ground yourself in that cornerstone. The thing that breaks all the other kingdom. The thing that breaks your job in two. The thing that breaks your family. The thing that breaks your future and establishes himself. Take whatever it is that is on the throne of your heart off that throne and put God in his proper place and I'll tell you everything else will fall into its right place. When God is on the proper place of your heart, everything else falls into its proper place too. Let's take this minute to pray. What's going on with you? What is going on with y'all? Let's just take this moment. Some of us, maybe we feel far from God. Some of us, we feel closer to God. Some of us, we've had, we have misunderstandings about who God is. Some of us, we are we have been disappointed by God. Feel hurt, disappointed, because God isn't answering us without realizing we haven't sought out a relationship. Wherever you guys are at, let's take this moment and pray and come before God, person to person. Not just about your wisdom or not just about answers, but just about God.
in this moment of intimacy, in that quiet space right now, just pause whatever it is that you're doing in this moment. Find that quiet place in your heart. God, I want to love you for you. I'm sorry for the things I've made our relationship. But I'm coming back to that heart. I'm seeking you for you. God, I just want to follow you wherever it is that you take me. You got to be willing. When you ask God for wisdom, you got to be willing to hear his answer. Okay? Some of us are not willing to hear his answer. Open your heart. God knows best, I promise. You have this thing that you don't want to let go of, that relationship that you don't want to let go of, so you're afraid about hearing what God is going to say. It's okay. God is greater than that greatest thing that you cannot let go of. I promise. You can be open-handed about that to God because God will always pull through in the end. He will always pull through. Let's take this moment. Let's pray to God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Jesus, we just thank you. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.